Good morning from me. Last week, we began a new series of Sunday morning talks, which we're calling Rest and Reset, looking through the book of Psalms in our Bibles. The Psalms are a treasure trove of ancient prayers, worship of God, adoration of him, cries of pain and lament, yearning and pleading for justice and deliverance from pain. These prayers are around 3,000 years old, but the joys and the tears in its pages are so relevant still today that it could have been written yesterday. As Pete Gregg writes in his book, How to Pray, it never ceases to amaze me that this is the very same prayer book that Jesus used and loved. The reason why we're focusing on a psalm each Sunday is that in these strange times of social distancing and restrictions to keep us safe from coronavirus, we find ourselves with an opportunity, if not a need, to take time out to be with God, to rest in his presence, and in doing so, to reset ourselves to reposition ourselves, not just for this season, but for our whole lives. This is more than just a try turning it off and on again. This is a chance to rebuild the important structure of our lives around our relationship with Jesus. Rest and reset. Last week, Carol beautifully opened up for us Psalm 51, which is King David's moment of repentance, turning back to God after having done wrong. If you missed it, go and grab that. Uh, It's the YouTube video above or below. Ah, you'll work it out. Uh, Today, we are looking at another of David's Psalms, Psalm 63. And if you have a Bible device, or in fact a paper Bible, why don't you turn there with me now, Psalm 63. And uh, we'll also pop the the words up on the screen as well if you don't have one to hand. Now, my friend Hannah is going to read for us. Thanks, Hannah. Psalm 63. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Thank you, Hannah. How beautifully read. This guy, the writer of Psalm 63, loves God's presence. It is a physical, a whole body, a whole self thing. He hungers for God's presence, yearns for him. 
His experience of God's presence is a feasting. It's a full belly. This is a love poem to God, and not because he should write one, but because he's loving God's presence. Not because he's fulfilling some religious duty. He loves God's presence. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you, he says. This is a deeply personal, deeply intimate, real expression of a person yearning for God to come close to them, to be in their presence, and joyfully celebrating what it's like to feel God draw close. It was written, our Bibles tell us, by King David at a time when David was in exile in the desert of Judah. And if the last few verses are anything to go by, all is not well for David. There are those who are seeking to kill him, spreading lies about him. His situation does not look at all safe or straightforward. And yet, even amidst that, David knows another perspective. Another deep truth about reality that means he doesn't lose hope. David knows a place, better, a person, who he can go to, which will satisfy him completely. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. David writes to God, notice not about God, to God, so intimately that if our relationship with God feels distant, formal, or at arm's length, then this should make us sit up and pay attention. David writes, God, you are my God. The very idea of an almighty deity being can seem so over there-ish, but David is speaking of my God, my own relationship. If you have a Christianity that doesn't feel like that, then I'd love to encourage you today Ask God to be your God. And if you don't have a faith, don't have a relationship with God at all, then firstly, I'm so glad you're with us today. You are so welcome. And secondly, I'd urge you even more to reach out and take this offer of a loving relationship from God. This is not about God wanting you to join a club or to sign up to become a church member statistic. He wants to meet you personally, specially, and become your God. My God, David says. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Now, this might seem a little over the top, especially for a reserved British sentiment or lack of sentiment. Is this just poetic language? A little odd in the Bible, a little more in place in a Valentine's Day card? The reason that David can write as wholeheartedly as this, as unashamedly committedly as this, is found in verse 2. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. 
David is not giving religious lip service to God, nor is he being over-the-top dramatic with his love poem. David is writing about an experience of God. David has encountered God, met him, and is desperate for that encounter again. He says things like, earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you as in a dry and parched land where there's no water. David has had an encounter with God that he yearns to have again. This is no casual religion. This psalm writer knows the taste of that closeness with God that changes one's life forever. He knows the glory, the power of God's presence of being in the holy place. And I just want to pause and zoom in on exactly that idea, the holy place. Now, back in King David's day, there was a physical place where God's people, Israel, could go to in their city to meet with God. God had set up this arrangement to give his people a strong relationship connection with him. You can read all about it in the book of Exodus in your Bible. People could go to this tent of meeting, later tabernacle, actually they built one with stones and called it the temple, they could go to this tabernacle and be actually near God, physically close to him. This was a real gift of God to his people. Not a case of make a statue to me and bow down to it, but I will come and live amongst you. God living amongst his people. God's presence felt by his people. So was this some exercise in oppression and control? Was God forcing his presence on his people like some spiritual dictator who's come to keep a close eye on them? <clears throat> God's people did not seem to think so. The joy that God's people felt from having his presence near them rings out through our Bibles. In fact, in Exodus chapter 33, verses 14 and 15, God promises Moses, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses responds, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. In other words, God's people say, God, if you're not coming, we're not going. We're staying close with you. Another psalm, Psalm 16 verse 11, says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, close to you, are pleasures forevermore. The people of God love the presence of God. It's our joy, our delight. It's, well, as David says in today's psalm, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. And in line with God's people throughout time, we too in this church and in the Vineyard Church movement, we rejoice in God's presence with songs that we sing so often. In the glory of your presence, I find rest for my soul. In the depths of your love, I find peace makes me whole. I love, I love, I love your presence. And the second one, all who are thirsty, all who are weak, come to the fountain. 
dip your heart in the stream of life. Let the pain and the sorrow be washed away in the waves of his mercy as deep cries out to deep. We sing, Holy Spirit, come. And a third one for you. There is nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. And that's just three. We love God's presence. We love being with him. We love it when he makes his presence felt, when he shows up, we sometimes say. Nothing in this world, nothing that it can offer, can compare to time spent in Jesus' presence. Not even the best counterfeit joy that this world has, and it has a fair few of them, can hold a candle to the experience of being with God. That is what David is talking about when he writes, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. David met God in the sanctuary, which may mean that he experienced God's presence in the tabernacle, though David wasn't a priest. We can actually also translate that word sanctuary as holy place. I think it's more likely that David met God in prayer, met him one-on-one, sitting in prayer one day, and as the presence of God drew close to David, he felt the holiness of God, the weightiness of God's presence, the power of God, the glory of God, all mixed together with pure peace, the brilliant shining love that is God. And for us today, we don't have a temple location that we can go to to find God's presence because he improved the deal. Part of God's heart-bursting kindness to us, his forgiveness and offer of love to us through Jesus that we call the gospel, that offer included his desire to make each of us his new tabernacle, his new temple. As we give our lives to him, we invite him to move into us physically, for him to bring his glory, power, peace, love, his presence truly into us. I've given my life to Jesus. I've made that decision to be his and it was a good one. But I sometimes struggle to make dedicated time to sit with him myself in the holy place. Actually, my first preach at Kingdom Vineyard when I was a student in about 2007 was on silence and solitude. And I did a poor job of it. I didn't get silence and solitude. I'm only just beginning to get it now. But can I urge you, make space for the holy place. David 
knew the joy of that time with God. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. David knew what it felt like, as many of us do, to experience God's presence and to be fulfilled. To respond in delighted adoration of God, to raise our hands in worship, not because of any religious reason or duty or expectation, but because we're delighting in meeting God in worship. And David also knew the value of that time with God. Earnestly, I seek you. David knew the importance of God's presence being a reality in our lives. He'd experienced the feast for our souls, that is, God's presence, feeling his love that fully satisfies. This is available to you and to me today. More than that, it's not just available, it's what God wants to give to us, if we will receive it. This new series of talks, Rest and Reset, is all about making time to sit with God, to make space for the holy place in our day-to-day lives, to spend quality time with Jesus in our everyday. Yes, it will cost us discipline. The decision to sit with Jesus instead of getting stuff done, and I'm still learning that myself too. But it is what we were made for. And this time with Jesus is the fix to our deepest distress. When Jesus hung out with sisters Martha and Mary, Martha busied herself as a super server, fussing around and getting stuff done. And then she complained that her sister Mary was just sat with Jesus. He lovingly corrected Martha, well-meaning server as she was. And I'm going to swap their names out for server and sitter. In Luke 10 verses 41 and 42, server, server, Jesus answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. The sitter has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Only one thing is really needed. Sit with Jesus. Sit in the holy place. Do you notice that Jesus even had to say her name twice to get her attention? Does that sound like any of us? Serving, sitting. Well, apart from that closeness with Jesus, what else are we working for anyway? As Jesus said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? That's Mark eight thirty six. Friends, let's prioritise his presence. Sweep everything off your life's desk to clear time and space to meet with him, to behold him in the sanctuary of your heart and mind and feast with him. Make space for the holy place. This week, even this afternoon, don't put it off, let's be practical. Make some time to sit in silence and invite God to come and meet you. Give it some time.
Don't just wait 10 seconds. Invest in this. Perhaps you might want to start by reading this psalm, Psalm 63, out loud as a prayer a few times and ask him to come and meet with you. Sit with him. Wait on him. Invite him. Let's make space for the holy place. Why don't we pray? And as Judith put so well earlier, um, this is about our hearts. This is about meeting with God, being in a posture of meeting with him. Let's not go through the motions. So as I pray, would you um, place yourself in in a place to meet with God? If that's standing as a sign of opting in, why don't you stand? If that's holding out your arms, whatever it is, this is just about you and him. But let's make this a real prayer. Let's not try and tick a religious box. Let's pray. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you meet us, Lord God, as we are right now? Would you come and transform our relationships with you? Would you come and place in our heart that same yearning that David felt? And would you draw us into a deeper and more loving relationship with you, God? That means that we lift up our arms in praise, that our lips are filled with singing and your glory and your praise and and delight in you. And would you give us the discipline and the strength where we need it to carve out and defend time in our diaries and our days to spend with you, to get to know you better? Lord Jesus, we give ourselves to you. Amen.